You're listening to the Beauty Business Podcast, and today it's a very different episode than usual. I'm joined by a special guest, Matt Javitt, who spent the last three years, among other things, touring around the world, visiting barbershops. And today he shares with us not only the fascinating story that led to all this happening, but also how someone actually chooses which salon or which barbershop, in this case, to go to. Now, this is like a crash course in how potential clients actually do decide whether to visit you or another salon. Hi, you're listening to the Beauty Business Podcast, now with over a quarter of a million downloads worldwide. Now, this is the podcast for you if you run an independent beauty salon, a skin clinic, or a spa. I'll help you reach your business goals through simple to understand, practical, and beauty industry-focused business information and advice that I've learned and implemented working with spas and salons over the last 20 plus years. So if you want more money or more clients for your business, or you'd like a bit more control or time back for yourself, then you're in the right place. I'm here to show you exactly what you need to do. Oh yeah, and who am I? My name's Adam Chatterley. I'm your host here on the show. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome to episode 84 of the Beauty Business Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me today. I don't say this enough, but I'm very aware that you have a million different things to do with your time and many different distractions too. So for you to spend some of that time here with me on this podcast, well, I'm truly grateful to you, and I hope in return that I always bring some huge value, some huge lessons for you to use in your beauty business ownership journey. Now, you probably know by now that I tend towards the more practical topics usually in my episodes. It's just kind of how my brain works. But occasionally, and hopefully increasingly more as we move forwards, I like to explore topics that are not quite so immediately practical. Now, the weirdest thing is that often these tend to be some of my most popular episodes, probably because they're the ones that I do the least frequently. And also because I think, who quite knows exactly where they're going to go? Now, that was where my head was at when I recorded today's conversation with my special guest. Now, I know that I've not got the biggest show in the world here, but with around 30,000 listens each month from a fairly specific industry, well, I do get quite a few requests these days from people who want to be on the show and from talent companies recommending their clients or the people they represent to be on the show. Now, the vast majority of these, I have to be honest, I generally send a very kind, a very humble, thanks but no thanks email reply to because usually they've taken one glance at the show title, They've seen the words beauty and they're pitching me some sort of fashion blogger or beauty writer or someone that isn't really related to what we actually do here. Now, sometimes they are a good fit. And after a small amount of research, I speak to them and maybe, just maybe, we come to decide that we want to record an episode. But I have to say, I think this has only ever happened maybe two times before. Now, the vast majority, indeed, off the top of my head, I can really only think of these two previous guests, the vast majority of guests I have on the show were people that I reached out to myself after either being introduced to them by a friend or they're already someone I know or they're a contact or seeing them speak at an event or a show or something like that. However, today's guest reached out to me personally 
In fact, he recorded me a video and he sent it to me in an email, which was a great idea, actually, because not only did I get to hear what he was talking about, but I got to see his face. I got to see how he was talking to camera so I could see how good he was going to be as a guest, but also that he'd actually done his research. He knew what the show was about. He'd already thought about an idea of how it could work and all all that kind of stuff as well. So this is a great tip. If you're trying to get featured in a magazine or on a radio program or even on a podcast, maybe make a quick video on your phone and send it to the person that you want to get the attention of because it's going to work a heck of a lot better than just sending an email. Genius idea. Anyway, Matt reached out to me and I'll be honest, at first, his story was kind of so unusual that I couldn't fully see how it was going to really fit in with the show, but I was intrigued. And after a quick chat, um, it clicked. And not only is Matt's travel story inspiring in its own right, but there is in fact this perfect correlation between his journey and our industry. Matt is such an incredible, such a lovely guy. And I know this for a fact because I'll be honest about this. When we were recording the episode, I forgot to press record for a fairly large portion of the time that we'd spent talking to each other on a call together. And when I realized this and I admitted it to him, he wasn't phased in any way at all. He just simply said, no problem, Adam, let's just do it again. What an absolute pro. Brilliant guy. Anyway, we talk about a whole bunch of things. But central to this whole discussion is the fact that Matt, over the past three years, has visited, I don't know how many, loads, lots of barbershops and salons whilst making these YouTube videos that we talk a bit more about in our conversation. And what this means is that he's never been, or not in the past three years, he's not been to the same salon or barbershop twice. In fact, he's not even been in the same town or city twice. So essentially, he's been a new client at loads of salons. So he's got the art of deciding which place to visit down to a fine art and also knows exactly what attracts potential clients and also what puts potential clients off, including how clients actually find and select a salon and a business that they want to go to these days. Now, like I said, we talk about travel. We talk about taking a break from work. We talk about chasing your life goals. We talk about accidental opportunities and loads and loads and loads more. So I want you to relax. Join me and Matt for our conversation. Let's get into it right now. Okay. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Matt Javid. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you here. It's really interesting to speak to someone. This is kind of, this is going to be a really interesting one for me because, um, you know, you and I have had a couple of chats about this and, and, uh, so many things to talk about and so many different avenues. So I'm really looking forward to where this one goes. So to sort of, you can probably do this much better than I can. So would you give us a little bit, cause we're going to dive into your story, Matt. Um, Give us a, a little kind of overview of a background of, you know, your your backstory, what you've been up to for the last few years, and just a couple of things like that, and then we'll dive into more bits as we get going. Okay. The uh, the interesting part of that is um, after nine years with an international technology services company, um, I had a good run, which during their sales and incentive trips gave me exposure to international travel right is the short way to put it so we my wife and i had a chance to go celebrate these trips in istanbul turkey Chiang Mai, thailand go with india cape town south africa mm-hmm. and one year they came to miami florida but through that exposure um, i had the chance to understand what international travel was like and it really opened my eyes and um and then ended up opening new doors for my wife and i because then we started to build in more travel um in our our annual uh, goals and, and things we wanted to do. So through that exposure, 
uh, and this was in my, in my mid thirties, we, be, we began to just kind of dream and think about what if we could spend more time on the road. So after a few years of, of planning and saving and kind of minimalizing, we um, had the chance to take 27 months to travel to 35 wow. countries uh, around the world, five continents, and, um, and do it in a real authentic way, single backpack a piece, stay with a lot of families and friends um, along the way and just and really just took in the culture, volunteered some for, for a free place to stay. And uh, it just it ended up being the experience in, that we hoped and set out for and, and even more. That's absolutely amazing. I, I just I completely take my heart to you on that because you know, we, we did a very, very, very little version of that when, when we had our little boy, our, um, my second child. My wife was on maternity and we thought, well, we've got the time off anyway. Let's, let's do some traveling. So we went away for three months. We thought that was an adventure, but 27 months, man, that's, that's some commitment. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, and I knew going into it that that was the idea because we had talked about what's, what's long enough, but not too long. And the idea was to get out of our comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, we had an amazing, amazing um, life here. Uh, we live in Indianapolis, Indiana in the States, mm-hmm. and we had a great life. We loved our jobs. It was more like we were running towards this, this traveling and this idea of seeing other cultures, meeting new people. Um, so it was, and we were both kind of at our peaks of our career. So it was something that we, um, we, we just desired to do. And, and, um, it was, we knew that going away that long would make us get way out of our comfort zone, open us up and, and expose us uh, to to new ideas and and new, new thought patterns and bring those home for this next phase, next chapter of our lives. Love it. Now, I promise everyone listening, this is not turned into a travel podcast. This is still about this is still about the beauty industry, and and there is an element. We will come onto this in a second, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that to one side because I just love this idea of the fact that you were comfortable in your jobs, you and your wife, and you enjoyed your jobs, you were good at your jobs, and yet you thought actually, no, there's there's something else that we want to do more. This this travel, this seeing the world, just really kind of captured your imagination. So what was the sort of time frame between you seeing the world on these trips that you were doing with your work and and kind of coming up with that idea to then well, I suppose that that time frame between having the idea and then actually going off and and you know biting the bullet and doing the traveling. It was it was probably four years four where years. we okay. actually yeah, we actually put it on paper and said this is a goal of ours. But at that time we still had a lot of debt. My wife's got a doctorate mm-hmm. um, in pharmacy. And um, we had we had things we had to get in order, so we had a lot of earning to do before it became a reality. Okay. And then, and at that point, we decided once we got closer. Um, she's super conservative, conservative where I'm kind of the the dreamer and 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 uh, <laughs> just kind of jump into things. So we got to a point where I'm like, babe, we can do this. We yeah. can really do this. And then we had some things in the universe kind of just tell us and push us to say like, this is the right decision. Awesome. So so there really was that it wasn't just sort of a plan in terms of okay, well, this seems like a good thing to do. Let's let's come up with some ideas. There were some genuine kind of life life changes and things you had to make before you could even do the trip. Absolutely. And then once we, um, once we had that, it, it, it's like a long story, but th- we had this big sign in Cape Town, South Africa that said, if you don't do this now, then stop, stop thinking about it, stop dreaming about it. And then within a month I came home and I was, I was upstairs. I booked our first leg wow. um, f- from Indianapolis to Santiago, Chile. And I came down and I said, we're, we're, we've been talking about it, let's do this. And I told her about the flight. She goes, okay, I guess we're going to do it. So after about three months later, I booked our flight from from South America to Lisbon, Portugal, which got us into Europe. And then about three months after that, this was in August, I booked our flight from Rome to India. And at that right. point, because I, I had the vision in my head of how we wanted it, because we wanted to follow the sun, 
we're very much warm people and right. we can only pack so much in a single backpack. <laughs> so that was the vision. And so as I, as, as we got closer and closer and I was doing these things, um, it was that India trip that we both looked at each other and said, okay, this is real. Wow. I guess we, we better really start getting things online. And, and then those last six months, we really started getting stuff in order. Wow. Okay. So, and you really did it properly. You sort of just went to the first destination and figured out whilst there where you were going next. It wasn't like you had the route kind of already planned out. Yeah, we uh, we stayed extremely flexible. Wow. We had, um, in order to save money, we had to we had to put some things firm. Uh-huh. Um, like when we did Machu Picchu, we did that probably six weeks out. We knew the timing of that. Um, but it gave us, the flexibility really gave us a way to save money. Like when we visited Galap- the Galapagos Islands. Oh man. We had that, yeah, because <laughs> we had that flexibility, I could, I could book the cheapest flight there and right. the cheapest flight out. And then it ended up being nine days. And then we did cheap stays while we're there. And then we could really be flexible in our negotiating with the people. So you were, you were helped by the fact you were able to be really flexible in terms of your timings and where you were at any particular given time. Absolutely. The, the goal was to, we knew our big over overall vision of the trip. We always want to stay in warm areas and, um, and, hopefully get a, a lot of beach time, but we wanted to build in spontaneity and be able to do things on the fly as new suggestions came. So as we flew into Santiago, Chile, we knew we were going to be in Chile for five weeks, but um, luckily we built in enough time that we could do that because uh, we kept hearing about San Pedro de Atacama as we travel wow. and around Chile. And um, we had no idea what that was. And eventually um, we, we had to build it into our plan because we just kept hearing it so much. And it ended up being Nikki's um, favorite part of the trip just because of the beauty uh, of all the different um, the mountains. We went on this awesome hike there. Uh, it's one of the best places in the world to see the stars. It's just a gorgeous part of the world. So without that spontaneity built in, we wouldn't have been able to see that. So we continue to do that on the journey. Um, and it, the flexibility really allowed us to save money at times. Um, like when we went to the Galapagos Islands, because we could spend nine days in the Galapagos Islands, we had that flexibility to do uh, to to um, see what the cheapest flights there and the cheapest flights back were. And then once we got there, we could get a really place a cheap place to stay. A place like the Galapagos is typically expensive, but we had a chance to make it um, be a little more price conscious with that. So um, we did that throughout the 27 months. Um, built in chances to go take in new festivals. We met new people on the road, and they would invite us into their homes. So we would take them up on it. And, um, and then we also did some volunteer efforts where we would work at bed and breakfasts for a free place to stay. And because we had that, um, we had as much time as we wanted to built into our calendar, we can do those types of things. That is awesome. Now, getting onto sort of the, the thing that links this back to, to kind of my world a little bit. Um, whilst you were traveling, you also came up with this idea to effectively launch a YouTube channel. Um, so can you tell us a little bit, uh, in fact, what was that called again? Let's just introduce that. That was called the World, the World Barbershop Adventures. World Barbershop Adventures. So how did this come about? Tell us that story. Was it something you kind of had in mind before you went or is it just something that happened while you were away? Well, actually, when so we were about 16, 17 months into the journey, and we were in Bucharest, Romania. Okay. And I was actually in the chair um, with the barber, and he spoke really good English, which made us um, be able to just build that um, camaraderie and pour, report quickly. Mm-hmm. And he was asking, he was really intrigued about the travel, but he was more intrigued about the barbershop experiences during the travel. Because at this point, I had a chance, I was, I've been in chairs in Chile and Peru and um, uh, Hong Kong and in Vietnam and different places around the world by the time I got to him. And he was asking not only about the time in the chair, but how they went about it, their different techniques, um, the different tools they used. So uh, 
after that amazing visit with him, I went back to the apartment with Nikki and I just said, Hey, look, I think, uh, I think we need to start recording my sessions in the barbershop and just to be able to capture this and then share it with my buddies back home. And then, so that started the, the, the process of doing that. And then we also overlaid a bit of the culture and the experiences we were going through very much from like a guy perspective of the different uh, events like sumo wrestling in Japan, Muay Thai fighting in Thailand, rugby in Australia. We built all that in to give people kind of a, a glimpse into um, the things we're going through, but also the culture within the barbershop. So initially, this was just kind of an idea that you thought would be good for your buddies back home. You didn't. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think it was going to grow into in what, it, in what it has to today. <laughs> now, I will put links to uh, to the, the the YouTube channel in the show notes pages because it's it's really fascinating. I've, I've only had a chance to watch a couple of them. But, um, you know, like you say, it's I'd never appreciated the the real cultural links between a barbershop and, um, you know, a, a place before. Is this something that you kind of were conscious of yourself? Is this a passion you've had before? You know, where where did this desire, where did this thought process kind of stem from, do you think? Well, yeah, because I've, I've never really been in the beauty game um, and I'm not a barber or, or a beautician, but since I was, since my early youth, um, I played, I played basketball and I'm, okay. I've always been connected to like the urban culture. So when I got my haircut, when I was in high school, I would go into the inner city and get my haircut. Right. And then that, when that transition, when I was in college as a, as a basketball player in college, I would get my haircut in dormitories of the, of some of the players. So it was always that camaraderie and that kind of that, um, that connection you get with the barber and you're in, they sometimes they were already friends. Sometimes they became friends. And then as that transitioned into the, to the real world, um, the kind of the corporate world, I would seek that out in the, the places that I would go to to build to, the, the kind of the welcoming aspect of the barbershop or the beautician to know that when I'm there, not only am I getting my haircut, but it's kind of like you're, you're catching up on life. So that was always important. And then as we were going on this journey, um, and I started going to barbershops, I understood that th- well, this isn't just an American thing. This is a global thing. Yeah. And that connection is real. When you go in there, you have a chance to meet somebody new. But by the time you leave the chair in 30 minutes or um, two hours, like it was in Tokyo, you really, <laughs> you really get to know the person well. And you get a little, you get a little, little um, snapshot of their life and also the culture within the, the places they represent. And there's, I guess, a huge element of trust there. You know, if they're, if they're, you know, cutting your hair or, or I don't know, get, giving you a wet shave or something like that, there's, there's quite an element of trust for this person you've never met in your life before. Absolutely. Absolutely. We were in, um, we were in Jammu, India, which is the northern part of India, near the Pakistani border. And it is a very intimidating city, large military present, mm-hmm. presence. It's near that Kashmir area where they've been fighting over for a long time. Yeah. And I went into this tiny little barbershop and just for a cleanup for my neck, because we were going to a wedding. And I, that is exactly what I thought when I was in the chair. I'm like, <laughs> there's nothing more intimate of, on travel than this. I'm, I'm in this area where there's millions of people. If you've ever been to India, every city seems like they uh, yeah. have 10 to 15 million people. And then we're in this area where there's a ton of foot traffic. And I'm right off the street side. And this, this gentleman's shaving my neck, getting me, get me to look good for the wedding. And uh, yeah, those things really roll through your head. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, and, and the reason this was really intriguing for me when, when we kind of connected in the first place was, you know, I spend a lot of my time helping people and teaching people to get more clients and understand this client journey in terms of how a new client potentially finds their new salon that they love and, and want to keep coming back to and everything. Now, there's a lot of kind of theory involved with that as well, but 
what I was kind of keen to ask you was when you were traveling, you were in this place you'd never been to before, didn't know anyone. You know, what thought process, what, 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 what overall process did you go through to actually make the decision of where you were going to go to have your hair cut when you were there? Yeah, it was, it was a few steps. Um, first, it was always probably Google Maps. If I didn't see a, a, a barber shop or a, a place to, to get a haircut near me um, by foot, I would just turn to Google Maps, um, find, find where they were located, um, and start from there. And then I would usually um, try to see if, if there was a lot of competition in the area, then I would, to, to compare a, two or three of them, I would go on their Instagram account to see if they yeah. cut the hair that, that uh, have the hairstyle that I typically like um, to make sure that I, when I'm walking in the shop, they're not thinking that I'm crazy for trying to get a haircut <laughs> like, like I'm trying to get. Um, and, then, and then I would do the walk by. I would, I would walk by, see if, see if the place looked inviting, make sure it was, it was clean enough and, and sanitary enough. And, um, and then even I would walk in because I'll, I would always, always have to ask if I can record. But it was mm-hmm. really that, that first interaction to see if, if they were warm and welcoming as I walked in the door to get the reaction of, um, and, and kind of look around to see if it would be good on film and, and what kind of shop it was. But it was really that, that, that initial rapport and camaraderie and, and kind of that could, could we have a, um, uh, would it be fun for me in the chair? Yeah. And so, so that is, uh, and that's, I think that's something everybody thinks about when they're first trying, unless they're on a time crunch and they just want to get their haircut quickly. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying, if you're looking for like a long-term relationship with, with somebody that, uh, that is in the fields that you cover, you want that, um, you want somebody that's warm and welcoming and it's going to care about you more than, um, I mean, how you look is really important, but uh, I guess it's like on a, on a deeper level that uh, they have that professionalism that, that is kind of long lasting. And that's what, in just in those short minutes, even though I knew I was going to only be there for one session, mm-hmm. I knew that that's what I wanted in the experience. Because if you're only experiencing this once every two or three weeks, in my case, um, it's, you want it to be a good one. Yeah. You want it to be something that um, lasts longer and it's, it's uh, you feel good about it when you leave. And that's what I love. So you've, you've basically had this, this experience of picking a new but important to you experience over and over and over again in many, many different places around the world. So you've kind of been that that brand new client in many, many different places. So you've really distilled down this process of, of figuring out, okay, well, where am I going to go? How am I going to find it in the first place? You know, what criteria am I going to judge it by? And and how am I going to best as I possibly can ensure that I'm going to have a great experience? Yes. Yes. And the, the, the challenging part is as I continue to get better at it, I hate to be like, <laughs> like the food critic guy, but as you get better at it, you, I start to look for certain things. Um, and that, not that I'm, I'm judging the, the people that are cutting my hair, but that I, I appreciate some of the nuances in the craft that, um, as an outsider typically think about, mm-hmm. but because I've been doing, doing it for a while and be talking about it for a while, I've, I've been being able to pick up some things that are just differentia, differentiators for the folks that are doing it on a daily basis. What kind of, can you give us a couple of examples of those things? Um, so to me, communication is key. I, I think, I think it's the most important, not only the, the ability, um, cause there's something lost when I had my hair in, uh, um, cut in Osaka, Japan, they didn't speak English. It was mm-hmm. an amazing experience in the chair. Um, wow. but the, but the gentleman that was, that was cutting my, sh- cutting, cutting my hair, I really wish we spoke the same language because I, I knew that there was something deeper that we could gain from each other if we could do it. So it's not necessarily just, um, that is, that is key. Uh, if you can both speak the same language, but, mm-hmm. but throughout the process, the, um, just the greet at the door, the, the communication of, Hey, I, I recognize that you're here, have a seat. I know I'm busy. Those things go a long way. Cause I, I've been to some, I've been enough shops that they don't even recognize you at the door that you feel like, 
Um, do they even want me here? Am I, am I going to be a burden? How long is this going to take for me to get in the chair? Um, and then the process of like, even throughout the cut, like telling me why you're doing certain things because they might be different than the person that cut my hair before. Um, tell me, tell, kind of walking me through that process all the way to the end on the styling. Because the thing that gets lost with men is we're typically not good stylers of the hair. We can walk out of the shop looking great, but that next day when we wake up, we're like, how the hell did they do that? Like, what, what, what was that product they put in our hair? So I love it when when they talk me through like, hey, I'm putting this thickening in because it's going to make it look more full. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they ask uh, the certain questions about, do you want this shine? And, and how they're, as they tighten up the beard, the, the different things, the, the different ways they do it. I just got this cut in Manila, the Philipp, uh, Manila Philippines. And the gentleman put a little, he put a little um, uh, around my mustache. He, he deepened the, the middle part a little bit because he told me that it's going to make my face look uh, more narrow. And so just going through that process that had, nobody had ever done that for my, um, Mm -hmm. on my cut before, but while he was doing it, obviously I was thinking like, what is this guy doing (laughs) to my mustache right now? (laughs) But if, if he wouldn't have talked me through that, I would have just been in the chair like, okay, what's going on? But because he was talking me through it, it made it a much better experience and it kind of educated me as a customer a little bit. So I think those little things can go a long way in the experience uh, uh, in the chair. I I totally agree. And, and, you know, from that male perspective, we, (laughs) as a species, we don't know very much. Uh, about, about yeah. things we you know i i i've worked in the spa industry for 20 odd years and it was only in the last five years where i went to a particular spa and they they explained how to use the products they were recommending to me they didn't just recommend the products to me they explained exactly yeah. how to use them what they would do what i should expect to see over at what period of time so i was completely clued in and from that point on i've actually used those products ever since then because i'm like okay someone took the time to explain them to me i now know why i'm using them i now know what they should do i know the right time to use them whereas before you know people may have recommended products to me and i i, I may even have bought them but i didn't yeah. know what to do with them i didn't know why i was buying them so <laughs> so it's it's a, it's a huge huge thing to explain that so i love that and particularly the welcome as well you know, it's so, so important. It's this stat that keeps coming up again and again. Clients will leave a business if they don't feel valued, you know, mm-hmm. far more than the actual physical treatment that they get. It's how you make them feel. So, and I'm not saying you should strive not to have a good product, but what I'm saying is, you know, it's that, it's that how you make them feel, that welcome, that, that making them feel valued and feel part of your day rather than just dismissing them and, and just kind of treating them like another person through the door. So I love that you said that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And at the very end too, the, um, some cultures, uh, tip is not expected. Mm. Um, but when, when a tip is given, um, the, the appreciation of that tip um, and, and kind of the recognizing of it. And then, and then as they're leaving the, can't wait to see you again next time, maybe we should get you in the books again. And just that, that conversation at the very end mm. is going to, is going to be how you leave the shop. And that it's that, it's that last thought you get, because sometimes when you, you give a tip, um, and that's not recognized, you think, well, what should I have not have done that? Was that not enough? <laughs> um, what, and it, and it leaves, it leaves you, um, wondering, uh, if it was even, if, if it was expected, I mean, those are as a customer, as somebody that's, that's never, um, I, I've been a bartender, I've, I've been in the service industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are, those are just kind of the little things that um, you want to, you just want to be recognized, I guess, as a customer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, did, I mean, did you do any kind of research into that on tipping as you were before you went to some workers? I know that is a huge cultural shift across the world, the, the whole idea of tipping. It really is. It's, um, I've always been, being a bartender, I, I became a big tipper early mm-hmm. in my, early in my um, uh, adult life, I guess. 
So it's always been a part, but we would always research yeah. what's expected because even like Japan, they, they, they almost feel like you shouldn't tip because I'm, I'm I was doing about this to say job. Japan, yeah. 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 I'm doing this job the best I can. And the tip just, it, they don't even like to recognize it, mm. but even in cultures like that, um, you just explain like I'm from America. This is what we do, and this is and, and, uh, and they like it. I mean, and that's what's cool is you get some of those reactions. I can remember the reaction of uh, we were in Ayacucho, Peru. This he was a young young barber, probably maybe 18 years old. Mm. Did in a fantastic job, and there the, the, the haircuts are less than a dollar. So wow. so for for him to get like I gave him like two probably probably equivalent like maybe three dollars. The reaction that he gave me was like, man, I would come to this guy every week just to see this reaction <laughs> on my tip. And uh, so it's it's that it's those experiences that um, they leave you like, man, like liking the people and, and wanting to do it. But yeah, the, the tip thing is it's it gets awkward sometimes in different yeah. cultures. Really don't know. In America, we're overboard. I mean, I, we realize that, that there's a tip jar everywhere. And it's, it's, yeah, but it's, uh, it, it goes back to that communication the other way. So, you know, once you explained that, you know, well, in, in my culture, this is what we do, mm-hmm. it, it, it then makes it okay. You've, you've explained it and they understand that you're actually giving them a tip because you've appreciated them and their hard work and their skill and, and everything like that. So, so again, it's that Absolutely. communication. So important. Amazing. Absolutely. Okay. Love this. So, what what would you say? So you've obviously been to a lot of places now. You've got a lot of experience. What would you say that makes an experience most memorable for you? What are the places that really stood out? The I guess uh, Bali, the Bali barber in Bali, Indonesia. Um, he really understands how to put on a, a great experience for for the gentlemen that come in there. He uh, he's actually a New Yorker that married an Indo- Indonesian uh, woman, she has a spa on the first floor okay. and he has a barber shop on the second floor and they do mixed use of their, some of their services. So it's very much a full male experience where not only can you get a haircut, you get your nails done, you get a massage, mm-hmm. you get facials, waxings. Um, they, they do everything. And from the time you walk in the door, whether it's, you get a whiskey or beer in the hand, um, to the time you leave, they they offer cigars. It is <laughs> wow. it, it is a full experience. And Bali is it's that they understand that lifestyle. Bali is all about the full experience and and doing everything everything you can to make people feel welcome um, and kind of that whole wellness lifestyle. But they just they go over the top, and he's always looking for ways to um, to, to kind of even build upon that. And they do a great thing. So they they he gets it, and that shop really gets it. And the fact that they they do that mixed use thing, I love that. I love. Even if it's a small massage on the shoulders before you leave, um, I, I love the fact that Asia really embraces embraces that mm-hmm. because massage is really built into the culture in Asia. That um, even the shops that they don't do a full massage while you're there, but just that little that little um, neck rub before you leave was something that you just you just leave feeling fresh. You got a great haircut, your shoulders are loose now, uh, and, and you feel you feel fresh. And I'm I'm big on kind of the little details. I know, I know all shops don't like to do this. In some places, um, they kind of steer away from it. But cleaning up the ears, cleaning up the nose, asking if you want your eyebrows tightened up, all those little things, instead of just the hair, I think those are, not only are they easy, especially when you're talking about waxings for the nose and the ears, that's an easy, to me, that's, a, that's an easy thing to do to, to make more money. Mm. Um, and it's like even come back to Indianapolis and I, I go to barbershops that don't do that. I'm like, why don't you offer ear, uh, ears and nose waxings? You can, you can charge like eight or 10 bucks for this and it's nothing, mm. it's not, no, nothing more for you to do. Um, so, so those little things, I think, as, as I've had a chance to travel and see different things, I think those are kind of differentiators that can really help um, these shops stick out. 
that when they leave, they know that they're getting the full service because guys don't like to take care of other things on their own. They'd rather go somewhere that's going to be a full service, even if it takes a, a few more uh, minutes of their time. Yep. If they walk out knowing I'm good, I look good for the next two to three weeks. And then when I come back here again, they'll tighten me up again. So those were the, um, th- that particular shop and then other shops that had a uh, little pieces of that along the way really stuck out to me. So the little details, the, the full service, the really make it, making it a whole experience, not just treating it like, oh, you come for a haircut, but no, no, no. We want you to leave feeling like you've had an experience. And I mean, you didn't even need to think about that. When I said what, what experience stood yeah. out, you were, you were there straight away. So that is, that is really interesting to know. And another thing as well, I think as a guy, you know, especially if we're going somewhere new, we don't always know, um, kind of almost what we're asking for in some ways. So, 100% true. So often if they, if you, if offered something as like, this is, this is a norm, this is something we offer, you know, yes. I'm much more likely to go, yeah, okay, cool. We'll do that. Absolutely. But I'm never going to sort of ask, you know, because I might get embarrassed. It might not be something that you do. So, so yeah, always, and, and this, this is probably not just with guys, but with everyone, you know, don't be afraid to offer the things that you would recommend for someone because they just may not know that you offer it or it's something that they can ask for. Absolutely. I get, I get real nervous with the new barbers um, around my eyebrows because my eyebrows get really bushy really fast. And I just, when you clean up, when you clean up the eyebrows, it makes you look a lot younger. Mm. But if, if I'm in a new barber, I feel like it's, it's kind of weird. It's like a, a manliness thing. Like, Hey, can you touch up my eyebrows? <laughs> I've, I've had those weird looks before where they're like, what? So for me, it's like, if it, to your point, if they don't really offer it, then I'm not going to stick my neck out there. I'm like, cause, cause yeah. one, I'm like, if they don't know what I'm saying, they might screw up my eyebrows bad. <laughs> shave them off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, What's this guy talking about? Just shave them off. But, um, but, because, but if they offer it, then it's, that's an easy thing to say. Yep. And you know that your person's going to walk out looking their best. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely love that. Were there any other uh, particular places that stick out in your mind? Um, da Nang, Vietnam. It was just a fun shop. Now, these guys didn't speak a lot of English, but the music was just... I mean, you'd walk in and the music's blasting, a lot of like hip-hop, and it's just a fun culture. And all, all the guys were probably between... 19 and 25 uh-huh. but you can tell they all liked being there and they all liked being around each other and I, I think that when you have a vibe like that that really sticks out that that all these people that are working together enjoy it that is important mm-hmm. because when you go in those atmospheres um because I've, I've seen them I, I've, I've been in a, in a shop where um somebody doesn't like somebody and you can feel the tension as you're in the chair that yeah. there's these two beauticians or, or barbers that they just don't like each other. They're judging each other. Like, I'm not <laughs> part of this dude. I'm in here for I'm 30 minutes. I don't want to be a part of, of your negativity. I'm trying to walk out of here very positive. Yeah. And especially somebody like me, that's extremely positive. As soon as I've sensed that I, I will likely not come back there. I've actually um, kind of canceled some barbershops wow. because I'm like, I can't, I can't go in there. I don't want to deal with you bickering about other people in the shop. This is awkward for me. So those things, so the, like the Danong thing, those guys had so much fun. Right. It was like a party in there and everybody was leaving. Everybody was leaving with <laughs> amazing haircuts. So you're like, you're having a great time and you're leaving looking great. And uh, so that those, if you can create an atmosphere like that, that's what, that's what people want. That sure. is amazing. So, and then obviously you're, you're back home now. You're back in uh, Indiana. Yes. And how has the whole traveling experience changed you, changed your life? change your outlook it's it's amazing um Nikki and i are very much 
um, type A, very career focused people. Mm -hmm. um, and this, this helped me take a step back to understand um, the, the kind of the importance of, of different aspects of your life. Um, sometimes we get out of balance, uh, especially here in America where you want to go all in uh, when it comes to your career and you want to put in those long hours where now you get a sense of, you meet enough people on the road that, on, that, that, that family and community are, are the most important aspects. Mm -hmm. And you see how they do that and the balance they have on, on their job. And you see how minimally people can live in some of these circumstances around the world when you're talking about um, some, some of the, the impoverished areas. And you could, we, we brought that back with us to understand that how blessed and lucky we are to live the life that we live mm. um, and just kind of to live each day, not only to the fullest, but with balance. Uh, and with presence and kind of mindfulness and, and the things that we're going through to be uh, to kind of slow down and be still and, and really take people in uh, as far as like when you're when you're talking to somebody really be there with them instead of thinking about uh, that timeline or that deadline you're thinking that's that's in the future. Um, so th some of those things really hit us and there's there's a bunch of uh, of life lessons along the way around um, perspective and and um, really multi generational living circumstances and and um, just poverty in general. Those those things really uh, layered and. And, and we brought them back. And I think it's going to change. And that was the idea is that how we look mm. at this next chapter of life uh, and, and kind of build those in as, as we go. And what I love is you really, you've completely embraced this whole still visiting barbershops thing because oh, yeah. people don't always know this, but I, whenever I have a guest on the show, I always have like a, a prior call with them, just a, a quick catch up, just to sort of plan out the, the, the flow of the episode. And we caught up about a week ago and it was hilarious because you were you were in the line for a barbershop and you had to duck out of the line to have a conversation with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, I'm so lucky. I found these Dominicans in my city that they're amazing barbers. Uh, and this one guy for sure, you got to sign on a list to, to get in. So that's what I was doing as we, as we caught up. I love that. So you've kind of continued the world barbershop adventures, even back in your hometown. Absolutely. <laughs> so what other, I mean, I think this has fired off a load of different passions with you. So you've got so many other passions as well. What, what was this book that you've also worked on? Yeah. So during the journey, I mean, as you, as you take a ton of photos, um, along the way, I ended up coming across, uh, early on a police officer on a horse in Santiago, Chile, mm -hmm. uh, asked her if I could take her photo and I took it. And then within a couple of days, I saw a police officer with his dog in a park um, I asked him if I could take his photo. He said yes. And then about a week later, we were about we were on Valparaiso, Chile, on the coast, and I was walking to get coffee um, in a little coffee shop. And I passed this this police officer in his back alley, and I just asked him if I could take his photo because it was just amazing backdrop and all these different colors. And um, after I took the photo, um, I came back and I showed I showed Nikki. I said, um, "Man, look at this photo. I, I love this." I said, "I'm going to keep doing this along the way." to see if, uh, just if I pass police officers along the way, I'm going to, uh, continue to do this. And sure enough, as we got towards the end of the trip, I had over 80 photos of police officers from different countries and cities around the world. So I self-published a book. It's called police brotherhood and uniform around the world. Um, and it's, it's a 180 page book that, that showcases these officers in their, in their daily settings, because that's how I found them all just by out on my walks. And then I put it into this book. And since it's, it's gotten a lot of, um, uh, the community, the the law enforcement community, has really embraced it. Um, so I've, I've had a chance to sell a bunch in, in the states, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. I think that's great, and I especially love that you, like you say, you weren't you weren't going out on stage in these photos. These were just police from around the world, you know, in their uniforms, just yeah. doing their jobs. So I think that's amazing as well. And and I wanted to bring that up because um, I think I said to you when when we spoke last time that there does seem to be this very strong link between. Um, 
the 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 world of uh, certainly independent beauty therapists and, and salon owners having this strong connection often with with military spouses and and things like that. So so I think there is that correlation there as well. So I'll definitely put a link to, uh, to that book in the show notes pages as well. So with all this that's been going on with you, what's what's kind of the next adventure? What's the next chapter coming up for you? It's um. I think this this barbershop series is c- going to continue to grow. I've actually okay. just um, just yesterday I, I got reached out by a, a major um, television station in Indiana. They want me to um, potentially put in a a, a season wow. for them in the fall. Yeah, so it can it can be hopefully grow. And it's just been cool to me to be able to get to meet cool people. Uh, I'm not sure. I think you guys are big in cricket and you're part of the world. Um, this this had this gave me a chance to meet Chris Gale. Actually, yeah. went to his oh, house. Oh yeah, you mentioned that to me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I went to his house for five days in uh, Jamaica, and, went, and we 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 got our haircut in his uh, in his. He's got a, he's got his own barber shop in his house. Uh, that's how awesome this guy's. But wow. things like that, I, I got the chance to meet Juju Smith, who's a, a big um, big time wide receiver in our NFL uh, in America. Yeah. So it's it's open doors for me, but also I, people are liking the idea that that it's I'm showing these different cultures. So Nikki and I are going to continue to travel. Like I just said, oh, yeah, I just got are. back from the Philippines. Absolutely. Um, we've got plans to go to Mexico in a month. We've got Morocco um, on the horizon. So those we're going to continue to do that and travel. And, and while I do that, I'll, I'll leave looking rough and then so I can get a haircut <laughs> when I arrive. Um, and then so, so I, I, I definitely got my foot in the travel game. I, I just love it so much. It's done so much for my life um, to change my perspective on, on how I see the world. And, but I'm still, we got to make money. So I'm building a business currently okay. in the technology industry and um, Nikki's back to doing her thing. So we're, we're back into our normal flow, mm-hmm. but I've just got this desire to stay, um, stay in the travel game and, and really just everything that, that we went through to achieve that, to just to, to, to be the person that, because at one point this was a dream of ours that seemed unattainable. Yeah. It seemed like it was somebody else's dream. So I just want to, my, my hope is I can talk to enough people to let them understand that you can, it's a, it's okay to be able to think you can live out your dreams mm-hmm. because I, I had the chance to do it, um, do it myself. And just to be that, um, that voice of, uh, inspiration to some people, because, um, and that's what happened during our journey is Nikki and I would get these emails saying, Matt, we've made this life decision based on what you and Nikki did. Thank you so much for doing that. And, and that's what I want people to, to do because sometimes we just, we kind of get in these ruts where we think that we're supposed to only do what the people before us only did. And uh, we can't dream big because then we're going to, we're going to feel awkward about it, but it's, it's okay to do big and exciting things if that's what you desire. And it's okay not to desire these things too, because we would come home to people like, I still don't get it, bro. I don't know why you traveled. (laughs) It's it's not for me. That's okay too. Um, But it's, it's one of those things that people, if they seek to do big, um, to have big goals, you can accomplish them. And I'm trying to get that out there as well. I love that man. I really do. And and yeah, I on a like I said, on a much, much smaller scale when we did the the three months traveling with our two very little ones. I mean, my my little boy was six months old. Um, you know, a lot of our friends were like, Oh, you're crazy, you're you're insane, what you're doing, taking two little kids uh, around the world like that. And yeah, it was only for three months, but it still was this huge, huge, huge undertaking. And it started off just as an idea. Genuinely started off as my wife just going, Well, we've kind of got the time off work. We should maybe go traveling for three months. And my initial reaction was, was that's crazy. People don't, people don't do that. Only those people you hear about on like, you know, the, the Buzzfeed and on Facebook, those special people, they do that. And, and it was just a matter of making the decision. And like you say, making a few little life changes and planning it out and then making it happen. Absolutely. 
Love it's it. all possible. Yeah. Matt, it's been so good talking to you. And I'm I'm really pleased that you reached out to me and, and we connected. I hope to stay in touch with you and I hope to keep up with your adventures as well. Um, thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. Cool, man. Okay, well, do check out the show notes pages uh, if you want to check out any of uh, Matt's information, the book. Uh, check out the World uh, World Barbershop Adventures as well. Do check those out. Some of them are really, really good fun. Um, so yeah, thanks again, Matt. Keep us updated and uh, we'll speak to you soon. I will. Thank you so much. And can I add one more thing? Yeah, go for quick? it. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're in the UK or uh, the US, you can see... Um, the World Barbershop Adventures on Amazon Prime. Okay, cool. If you get Amazon Prime. We have se- three seasons um, already. Right. And it's getting, it's getting a lot of um, views and downloads. So that's yeah. another place where you can see that series. No problem at all. We'll put, we'll, if we can, I don't know how to link up to that, but if we can link up that's to okay. that, I'll put it in the show notes uh, as well so where people can find that. Thanks again, Matt. Thank you. I appreciate it. Pretty cool, huh? Made me want to take a few months off and go traveling anyway. I don't know about you. Now, it was great to talk to Matt and hear about his adventures. I hope you enjoyed it too. But really do take on those words of wisdom that Matt shared about how he made the decisions about what salons to visit, what barbershops to visit as he was traveling. Yes, I know we're not generally trying to attract traveling clients that are filming YouTube series, but very similar criteria are used by your potential clients when they're looking for a new salon or a new spa or a new clinic to call home. So what is that first impression that your salon is giving, both online and, you know, as people walk past as well? Are you on Google My Business, which is, let's face it, the way that you appear on Google Maps? Does that in turn link through to your actual location? Does it easily get them to your website to find out a bit more information? Does that website actually represent how your business looks and feels today? Is it a few years since your website was updated? You know, do you need to put some new images on there? Do you need to give it a bit of a refresh? Does your website then lead easily through to your very latest social media? Basically, Does your online presence do you justice? Did it make it easy for your clients to find you, find out about you, and then book in with you in such a way that it makes it so simple it's practically a no-brainer? Now, it's worth taking a look at this through the eyes of a brand new prospective client. And if you've got no idea where to start with this, then don't worry because in April, we are gonna be looking at all aspects of your online presence in a bit of a mini series all about getting your online presence right so that it brings clients to you rather than sending them somewhere else. So keep a lookout for that starting, as I say, in April 2020. Now, I've not actually asked this for a while, but I'd love to hear from some of our new listeners as to how they found the show, what they think, and also any suggestions that they might have. Now, to do this, pop over to iTunes, leave me a very quick star rating. Now, if you have an extra minute to spare, leave me a review while you're there too. I'd really love to hear from you. And while it's entirely unproven, I believe that the reviews that you leave on there help other salon owners and other clinic owners to find the show and hopefully... That means I can help even more silent owners to reach their business goals more quickly by the advice that I give out here. Now, right, that is it for me. Have an amazing rest of your week. I will see you back here again very, very soon indeed. So I'll see you here next week.